the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tuesday, as we move towards a uh, long weekend, of course, this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, which uh, confused me uh, yesterday because I said that we're in our last full week of May this week, and that's not true. Uh, we got another full week <laughs> next week, too, because he goes, I forgot there's 31 days in May, and that uh, June well, 1st will be a week, it was two weeks from yesterday. You just want to get it over with. You're in a hurry. Yeah, I'd like to get May done. I, let's figure that getting April and May were big months to get out of the way uh, with this whole COVID-19 uh, thing that's going. I saw where the governor said yesterday that um, bars within restaurants can reopen uh, now. Uh, now, I don't know if that means you can stand at the bar and it will, you know, sit there and have a beer or something while you're waiting to be seated. Or I don't know what all the rules are about that. It just and, and I was watching Judge uh, Napolitano today on Fox News before I came on. And I have to tell you, I agree with him that a lot of the governors and a lot of these mayors are overstepping their bounds about a lot of things. I mean, for for Blasio, the mayor of New York, to say. If we find you out at the beach and you're in the water, we're going to we're going to we'll uh, you know, we're going to arrest you in the water. You know, basically rip you right out of the water, take you to jail. Now, pardon me. There there we have rights as citizens of the United States. And I don't know. I'm I'm not one of those people. I'm not a conspiracist. You know that, Elizabeth. You've talked to me a lot. I'm That's not a correct. conspiracist. Neither am but, I. But I will say this. Sometimes I wonder. Sometimes I I sit and I scratch my head. Are they doing some of the stuff that they're doing right now to see if they can get away with it? You know what I'm saying? There, there's some of oh, these think, mayors and governors are. that are pushing. You know, that they're acting much more like uh, uh, totalitarian Leaders like uh, you know uh, Stalin or or Lenin or somebody like even Hitler, uh, like that, where they say if I say so, it goes. I don't care what the law says. I don't care what the Constitution says. I don't care what the Constitution of our state says. Um, when I speak, I carry almighty authority, and that's not true. And. Uh, People need to push back more against that. I think there's no question that people are 
people are swarming on those ideas. I'm not, I used to think that maybe people did not sit around the kitchen table late at night and think of these um, interlocking uh, ideas, let me put it that way. And now I sort of wonder as well, because it seems as though maybe they are testing some waters. Well, I think they are, some of them. When you look around, it seems as though it's mostly Democrat uh, mayors and governors who are doing all of that. I mean, really, you look at the look across. Not too many Republicans. It's very odd. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. When you look at how the country is reopening, uh, it's basically red states that are reopening. Some blue states have begun, but they are dragging their feet. They're going as slow as they possibly can go. And I think they understand that if they do that, the economy is slow to rebound. Yesterday is a perfect example of that. I mean, we went, we almost hit a thousand points in one day on the uh, on 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 the uh, the Dow uh, this morning. We're down some, uh, less than two hundred, but we're down some. Uh, but the bottom line is. I believe this economy and this country are ready to take off like a rocket ship uh, if well, governors and, and, and others would just get out of the way. Who talked about pent-up demand? And I think at the time that President Trump said that, he was talking about uh, you know economic pressures, manufacturing, and that sort of thing. Now, what I'm, what I'm feeling when I hear the news is it's a personal. People are personally tired of being restricted. All across the country, tired of being restricted, tired of told you they can't go to the beach. Why can't you go to the beach? You can go to the grocery store. You can go to Walmart. Why can't you go to the beach? It makes no sense. Here's the ridiculousness of it. You can go to the beach in New Jersey, but when you get to the the New York State (laughs) line, you can't step on the beach. No, no, no. No, no, no. You can't. I mean, it's stupid. It's just plain stupid uh, to have rules like that. You can also look at it, though. I mean, we're conservatives. We believe in individual freedom, and the government is there to serve us. I think the liberals and Democrats and lefties kind of think a different way, Dave. I think they believe well, they don't the government know, kind is, of. They you know, do. be all and end all. Yeah, well, if you think that the government, I always say the big daddy, you know, if you think the government's the big daddy, then you're going to, I guess, acquiesce to anything the big daddy wants. You'll stay at home. You're going to get that, oh, Lord, it reminds me of 1984 so strongly. They, they get that same talking points list somehow through the, through the overnight mail. I don't know where it comes from. Uh-huh. You turn on the news in the morning, and they're all saying the exact same things because they believe that the government will take care of them, and they're just dutiful little drones. Yeah, well, you don't have to watch much TV or read too many news articles to see that uh, the left in the House uh, believe that people shouldn't be depending upon their own independence in going out and making a living. In fact, they should quit depending upon themselves and depend upon the government. Hey, look, we're we're going to send you another, I don't know, $1,200. Sixteen hundred dollars a person in in your in your house. Oh, there's another stimulus coming, whether we like it or not. It's it's coming. 
No doubt about Dave, it. Dave, we've at talked all. about that money tree before. You know, I mean, my gosh, what are they doing? Growing a whole forest now for us? I mean, well, sure. where is it going to come from? Where is it well, going to come see, from? There's no such thing as real money anymore, Elizabeth, right. when it's all computerized and it, and all you got to do is do a keystroke and you add in a couple of million dollars. And that somehow money isn't a real commodity anymore. It, it, it's it's a, I don't know. It's some kind of a, of an illusion that you can you can say. But that is yeah, so well, much illusion. It's all built on cards. I mean, it's a house of cards, and sooner or well, later, the house of cards will fall uh, if you don't take care of it correctly. And uh, right now, and, we're we teeter. Well, that will not be an illusion when that house of cards falls. Uh, John Kennedy from Louisiana yesterday on the news, he says, you know, this this stimulus bill, the Democrats are talking about it, $3 trillion. He said that's three zero 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 zero. Oh, my gosh. That's very compelling when he says it that way. I think it's time some people put their foot down. The other thing that I think is compelling is when uh, he sits there and talks about how many billion dollars that is. Oh, you know, a trillion dollars is like a hundred hundred billion. You know, that's uh, yeah, that's that's hmm. very scary to say the least. I can't wrap my head around even the analogies that they give about how to figure out those large numbers, and I think that's part of why. Uh, you know, the government gets away with this stuff so much is because us, when you when you make, you know, a couple four hundred dollars a, mu- a week, uh, these trillions of dollars, you just can't you just can't imagine. And so the numbers just kind of glaze, you know, your eyes just roll up in your head. You just say, oh, well, and go on. It's all coming out of our pocket one way or the other. That's the other thing. When I see these. No, it's not. Com- they're gonna send let me. Checks. Let it's me coming stop out of you. our pockets, people. I got to stop you. <laughs> it's not coming out of our pockets. It's now coming out of our our children's oh. children's pockets. Well, the other thing is China's pocket, for example. Or if you no, our pockets. China's going to own us. Okay, that's the debt. We're going to have to go borrow money somewhere at some point, more than we already have. And the biggest country that we borrow from is our favorite country, China. So that's, you know, but, but with the coronavirus shutdowns all across the all across the world, I wonder that other countries won't be in maybe not similar situations, but somewhat similar situations. Everyone's down. Everyone's down. Where is anybody going to go to get extra, you know, resources, extra money, extra whatever? Where are they going to get it? All right. It's, it's China. China's winning this war. 16 after six. Well, China's is as in bad a shape as everybody else. I mean, if it all goes down the tube, it all goes down the tube. And at that point, the only way that it is determined on, you know, who's going to run what country is who can protect themselves the best. Well, that would be us. Yeah, well, right now. Thank you, President Trump, for rebuilding the military. But China's close behind us. I mean, uh, yeah, it could get into a, could get into a if push came to shove. It would not be fun. All right, seventeen after six. Elizabeth's here. She'll be with us during the first hour. Then uh, she takes a little break to let the Bible guys come on, and uh, then we um, come back for the final hour. We got some things to talk about. Not a lot of big breaking news today, but uh, we'll talk about some things that are are hanging out there. Uh, 
I'll leave the door. I'm going to leave the door open for you to get involved in the sh- in the show today. Eight two three zero nine six five. Eight two three zero nine six five. Are you concerned as you're hearing Elizabeth and I talk? Uh, are you concerned about all of this huge, huge uh, deficit spending that we're doing here uh, in the United States? Are you concerned that uh, governors and mayors and whatnot, people, quote, that are in charge, uh, are, you know, basically ignoring the Constitution of not only uh, their state, but of the United States? Does this concern you as well? And how close are you about to, you know, flipping them the bird and said, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway? 18 after 6, a break on the Dave Ellswick Show, and then we return. Well, Senator Kennedy down in Louisiana, as we heard uh, a moment ago, Elizabeth was referring to him with his uh, statement about uh, how much, how many zeros there are in a trillion dollars, and uh, we're spending multiple trillions of dollars. Also made another statement yesterday dealing with this uh, $3 trillion package that Pelosi came up with uh, here over, was it over the weekend that she came up with it? And she brought it to, the, to Congress on Monday, and they they passed it. It's dead on arrival. It's deader, as as Senator Kennedy said, it's deader than a fried chicken. So we're going, we're going to, here's something else he had to say about a, you know, $3.7 trillion package. Cut House passed six. a $3 trillion coronavirus relief package late Friday night. This is the largest in congressional history. Now it heads for the GOP-led Senate, where my next guest says it is as dead as fried chicken. Louisiana Senator John Kennedy serves on the Senate Judiciary, Budget and Banking, Housing and Urban Affairs Committees. He also chairs the Appropriations Subcommittee on Financial Services. Senator Kennedy, it's great to see you this morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Tell me about this $3 trillion uh, bill. Your colleagues in the House have passed it. Why do you say it's as dead as fried chicken? It's $3 trillion, for one thing, every penny of which we would have to borrow. That's three zero 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 dollars It's not going to pass the Senate, nor should it. My fellow Republicans in the Senate have tried to see things from the speaker's point of view, but we can't get our heads that far up our rear ends. And I think uh, any fair-minded American would agree once they read the bill. Uh, There are things in this bill that have nothing to do with coronavirus, Senator. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder, I mean, maybe they're saying let's not waste a crisis opportunity, but money so that marijuana companies can do banking, money for illegals coming into the country and having services. I mean, the list goes on. Tell us what you see as the the most uh, sort of damaging here in this bill that is not helping anybody related to coronavirus. Well, it's not a coronavirus virus bill as much as it is a um, an effort by the speaker and her colleagues to uh, re, re, uh, rewrite the rules for American society uh, this bill her bill would rewrite our immigration laws her bill would federalize elections our elections have always been run by states and local governments. Her bill would begin the process of federalizing the elections. 
It would allow federal prisoners to go free. Um, it mentions dope more than it talks about jobs. I think it, it references cannabis like 68 times. Uh, it would expand Obamacare. And let me end as I began. It would cost $3 trillion. That's $3,000 billion. We just spent $3 trillion. We need to see how that works first. How is it working? We are seeing uh, almost half of the country open here in, ter in terms of the reopening. How is that money uh, being used? And do you think that we're going to be able to get out of this uh, fairly soon and start seeing growth in the economy again, Senator? We can't pro appropriate enough money, Maria, to buy the American economy. Uh, by we, I mean Congress, nor can the Federal Reserve. The only thing that's going to get us out of this is the American people and the American private sector. We're going to have to open up the economy. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't, won't do it safely. It's no longer a debate between safe or soon. It's now safe and soon. We've got to do everything we possibly can to keep people safe, and we've got to do everything we possibly can to get this economy open safely. And unlike some of my colleagues, I think the American people can do it. There you go. And I think the American people can do it, too. As I said yesterday, I have more trust in the freedoms of my my uh, fellow neighbors than I do of power in the hands of politicians. Uh, that that just a true statement to me. I, I believe in the American people. But, uh, you know, Kennedy had a lot of things to say in that little three minute segment there about. They mention dope more than they do jobs. That says a lot. They want to rewrite the immigration laws. They want to rewrite the election laws. They want our elections to be federalized. You don't want, I, I hope that you don't want, federalized election laws. That's not where we want to go. We've never been there in this country, nor do we need to go there in this country. You know, I, I think that our uh, Secretary of State does a pretty good job running the elections here in uh, in Arkansas. So um, this is this is a, a, a perfect example of something that like Rahm Emanuel would say about uh, not letting a, uh, you know, something that's bad that has happened go to waste when you can use it to to uh, change the uh, uh, what's the conversation, so to speak and make people think differently about certain things and move the country further to the left. And we want to keep that from, uh, from happening, Elizabeth. But that's what they're doing. They're, they're seriously trying to change what America looks like. You feel that way? Do I still have Elizabeth? I must have lost Elizabeth. We must have lost her. Sorry, I was on mute. Sorry, oh, you I was were on, on mute. mute. Okay. That happens. Uh, that happens media, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't want my kitty cat here on my desk disturbing your, your broadcast there. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, but without the media's involvement, they would not be able to pull a lot of this off, Dave. They could well, talk I agree all they with like, that. But if the media didn't go with it at 100% and amplify everything they say then they wouldn't be able to pull this off. So we have, 
I think uh, conservatives have two sides to watch, and that's both the Democrats and the media. Again, they're working together. Um, in this HEROES Act that Pelosi hand-wrote herself and didn't bother to involve anybody, um, did you know that there is money for every state to be able to afford to send mail-in ballots to every single voter? Well, yeah, that's what I was talking about. She, they, they I mean, I knew they were pushing those things. But. They, wanna, they want to they completely change the election system here in the United States. And well, you, ask, that, you ask the American voter if they want to have mail-in votes, and they overwhelmingly say no, because they understand not only that. the chances of, uh, you know, stuffing the ballot, so to speak. We've got 15 seconds. Go ahead. Well, I sent you the story overnight. There's a Facebook page out there in the state of Oregon. They're having real problems with uh, those mail-in ballots being sent out with the wrong party. And Here it's we go. only happening to Republicans. we got the news. All right, 25 minutes till uh, 7 o'clock, and currently doing our uh, temperature check around the area. Let's see what we're looking at right now. Here at Cabot, it's 59 degrees. In Pine Bluff, it's 56. In Hot Springs, it's uh, 53. Little Rock is a hot spot this morning at 60. And uh, in Conway, it is 59 degrees. So... Uh, we're starting off pretty uh, pretty nicely today. Uh, for the rest of today, sunny skies going to be a beautiful day with a high of 75. Bet you we break 80. Uh, tomorrow, beautiful day again, 78. Thursday, sun, 78 degrees. And now I've seen that they've reduced the rain chances. Excuse me. <coughs> rain chances on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and uh, looking for pretty days both of those days. So maybe our Memorial Day weekend is going to uh, shape up to be really, really nice. I was talking with some friends yesterday, and I might have to, um, I may take uh, steaks to their house, and we'll cook steaks at their house and have a nice meal uh, probably on Monday, I think, is what we're going to do as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, the the Memorial Day weekend's, Starting to rev up to be a good one. I'm excited about that. You know, here's the thing. And you're going to socially distance, right? Well, as much And stay outside, right? Yeah, we'll sit out on their porch probably. But here's the key. All right. I I know that these people don't have the coronavirus. I know that for a fact. And so with that in mind, I'm not worried about if we get actually within five and a half feet of each other. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about catching anything. I, here's, here's my whole thing about this. If I decide not to do that, uh, and, uh, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to be like I am right now, and I go, well, right now I think that I'm going to hold off going to the movies and and wait another week or two before I do that, just because I'm a type two diabetic, I'm uh, I'm I'm older than uh, what they tell me I should be for this disease, and I've I've fought with my health for the last eight months, so um, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to you know do some things that say that I'm going to be careful. I don't expect everybody else to be the same way I am. They get to live their lives the way they want to live it. And that's the part of this that I don't understand. 
I mean, uh, telling everybody that you got to do this, you got to do that, that just makes me, you know, I can stay, I can institute a six foot perimeter around me. I, I saw a bar that did it really nicely yesterday, was talking about them. They had like these uh, walkers that, you know, <laughs> that, that people, and they, they put on a, uh, uh, inflated uh, uh, inner tube over top of their heads, and then they walked around, and you couldn't. You had to stay six feet away from everybody. Yeah, you can do that. I'm just saying. Uh, to me, uh, it, it's a whole thing about let people live the way they want to live. Look, there's people who who've been out there, and all during this, Elizabeth have said this is nothing but a hoax. It really isn't. It isn't really real. And now they got the, oh, no. the they get COVID, they get COVID nineteen yeah. now, and uh, you know they're being quarantined or they're in the hospital. They found out real quick that it wasn't some kind of a of a joke. Um, let's talk a little bit. We, yesterday, you know, the, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you know, in the beginning, you know, and I keep wanting to say this because it's like we never think the we, we never think about yesterday. We don't think about tomorrow. We always look at what's at the end of our noses. When this thing started, we didn't know. Nobody knew. China made it clear, you know, made made that happen for sure. But yeah. we didn't know what to do to take care of the problem. So with the information that we had, we instituted some measures that dramatically changed the number of people who would have been affected or who would have died in our country. That's one of the stories that the media doesn't talk about. I truly believe, I don't know that those numbers in the beginning were entirely accurate, but I know that the numbers we see, but the numbers we see today are still dramatically lower than what would have occurred had we not tried to stay home at least for a brief period of time. Now, they could not have said on the front end, it's only going to be, you know, three days or whatever it was. It is more than beyond time now for, like you say, we know that it doesn't affect, uh, you know, young people. We know it doesn't affect, you know, this one and that one. Those people that are able need to get out and try to be more, you know, out in society and do all the things. We've got to get our, our businesses going again and everything moving again. So now it's time to adjust, and that's where the problem is. No one is looking at the past data and saying, look how much we've learned. Therefore, look how much we're going to learn in the next three months, and let's start moving around. They're running around like chickens with their heads cut off from the very first day, well, refusing to acknowledge that we have better information. That well, again, that, that, that's, the government will tell me everything I need to know. You know, I'm a lefty yeah. and I believe everything they do and say. Well, there's a, the whole thing is, is that, you know, for instance, the media starting their mantra, it's coming back in the fall. It's coming back in the fall. Exactly. Well, it might come back in the fall. We Just don't like know. the flu may. Well, but here's the key. Even if it does, we're much better prepared for it than we were when it exactly. initially came because we know things to do. You know, at that point, look. Dr. Yamauchi's been on my show countless times, and one of the number one things he says, if you don't want to get infected by the flu or whatever, don't go by people who are sick. Don't go around people who are sick. That's right. I fully expect that our next flu season will reflect, if if they're able to measure and they do tell us numbers for just the flu, 
I think we're going to see some dramatically better numbers, unless somehow we have a terrible strain of flu, you know, that overcomes that. But with all of the social distancing and the hand washing and all the, you know, mask wearing and all the things that are going on, fewer people are going to get ill from the flu. I'm going to be honest and with cold, you, all right? And I, things of that sort. I, I've been to Walmart during this time because you've got to shop. you got to get food. And I was in the men's restroom, and I'm still stunned by how many people don't wash their hands mm-hmm. after they use the no. facilities. I mean, just totally <laughs> I, mm, disgusts me. Mm, it so is that, disgusting. That, now, that's, that makes, that's that not even, me, that's basic hygiene, Dave. That's basic I, hygiene. I understand that. And if you can't get them to do that, how are you getting them to wash their hands even more? They're not even washing their hands enough as it is. This the other is precisely thing, why some people don't want to go out right now. Well, that's fine. They don't have to. That's the key. We don't have to go out. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to, exactly. but quit making other people not be able to go out. That's Other my people whole who thing. don't care to go out and just you know do what they want to do and and but again there's that aspect in this particular case there's that aspect that says okay I'll take care of myself I'll make the decision for myself and I think it's okay to go out but how do you know that you're not an asymptomatic carrier now you're giving it to other people I don't want to be that person I don't yeah. want to feel that responsibility. That's not that's not fair, as as the left likes to say all the time. That's not fair. Life and what that's do I always me say? Me above everybody else. What, what do I say about life? Life's not fair. Life's not fair. That's right. That's life right. is not fair. It just doesn't work that way. And for everybody who's trying to always level the playing field, you can't do it. It doesn't work. And uh, here's the other thing. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this before we go to this last break that we got. And, and it happens to be with the vaccine. Yesterday, the um, the Dow almost uh, jumped a thousand points. I mean, it was about nine hundred points shy of that. But it, it went. It was it was flirting with it for Dang a while. Busters. All right, big time. And basically, the big news that ignited it was that you have that company that had that one uh, first phase one test about the vaccine they're working on, and out of forty five people tested. All 45 of those people came on the other end with bright, shiny stories, okay? They all produced antibodies from this uh, 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 vaccine. But here's my whole thing. If you take the flu vaccine, it may not keep you from getting the flu, but it will reduce how bad the flu is going to be in your body, and yet nearly 45 percent of people refuse to get a flu shot because they think it's going to cause autism or they think that uh, they're not going to do it because they're going to get the sick. Flu. They're going to get the flu because <laughs> it's a live uh, vaccine and it's not. It's dead. And you go on and on. And they'd rather believe in, uh, you know, McCarthy, uh, you know, because uh, she's posed for Playboy three times. They'll believe her and uh, an erroneous report published by a British doctor who's been stripped of his medical license because he had he he ginned up all the numbers and everything before he put that that article in Lancet. And people believe that before somebody they won't believe Dr. Yamauchi when he comes on my show. A vaccine's not out there saying that it's going to keep everybody from getting that disease. It's not it doesn't say that, but it will quote, protect the herd. 
That's what it does. And I want to know how, if, if they came out tomorrow with a vaccine, here's the first thing that I would think that we would hear. Oh, they didn't file, follow all the protocols they have in the past. Exactly. Exactly. They, oh, my God. They didn't have do a that. Why, you know. why, why would I take that vaccine if there's something wrong with it? There's got to, I bet you there's something wrong with it. And in fact, they've got all kinds of new, you know, DNA nuclei and all kinds of different testing now that they've never had before. That's what allows them to go quicker to do this. And they got people working 24-7 on it. It's like, as the, as the president said the other day, it's like the Manhattan Project. I guess people were feeling the same way when they found out about the bomb. Oh, I bet it won't work. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just, yeah, right. Because they didn't understand how it how it works. You know what I'm saying? Look, the, it, as soon as they come up with a vaccine that works, yours truly would be one of the first people sitting at a doctor's office or in a line at Walmart. We're ready for them to stick a needle in my arm. You know, I'll, I'll be all about that. I would like to be all about that as well. I, You know, again, there's such an interesting thing going on here between the trust slash distrust of the medical community, okay, the left. Again, we got to stay home because the medical doctors told us it's so contagious and we're all going to die. Well, we got we to gotta stay home until we get a vaccine. The medical doctors tell us we need a vaccine, and yet at the same time, out of the other side of their mouth, you know, people can't tell us what to do, and, you know, we can decide better than the doctors, and, you know, we don't believe and we don't trust the doctors. It's a crazy world because the media is making it very difficult to find the truth. Well, the media has, you know, pissed me off for the simple reason. Uh, they keep figuring out a storyline that scares people. They continue. Exactly. You know, they sell fear, and that's what they've been doing. All right, we got to get a break in. Let's do that, Elizabeth. We'll be uh, back after the break. We'll pick this up some more. You want to get into conversation, 823-0965. 823-0965. That's the number to call right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. We've got about nine minutes remaining. I want to go back and talk just a tad more about what are you going to do when they get the coronavirus vaccine, the coronavirus 19 vaccine. Are you going to go get it or are you going to make an excuse not to get it? Uh, are you going to say, well, you know, th- this and that, and they, they, ran, they rushed it and it's not as, uh, you know, trustworthy as other vaccines. And we all know we all know that uh, it gives uh, it gives our kids autism and uh, oh, here's uh, one for you, know, you. Everything else. I mean, all, there, there'll be mountains of excuses, and I because I've already seen them on Facebook. I'm sure you've seen them as well, Elizabeth. Of people say, "Well, they get the vaccine. I won't take it." I've seen it. Well, President Trump has announced that he intends to help use the military to help distribute these massive. It's a massive effort to get everybody, you know, a vaccine out to everybody quickly. He's yep. going to use the military, our greatest tool for that. Oh, my gosh, I will not have anything to do with that vaccine because that's clearly practicing for a military takeover of our country. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. That's, that's, yeah, many, and that, and that's know, what your military is supposed to, to be doing. That. 
Yeah, that's I, what the military is here to help us with. Come on, you know, you either yeah. believe in our country or you don't. I don't understand yeah. conservatives who insist that they totally believe in our country and they're so totally consumed with all of this. I call it conspiracy theories. Yeah, I and I I agree. There's one that particular uh, people have seen about the pandemic uh, that I'm sure you if you haven't seen it, where you been? Uh, because I'm, I I keep getting people that are uh, Facebook uh, followers on my Dave Ellswick show, and I I bet you I get three of those a day. You know, oh, I know. You know watch this. Several. Watch this right now before you they take see it this down. Documentary. This doctor knows what they're talking about. You really ought to pay attention. Yeah, take it. There's a reason. Know, see it now before they take it down. Well, it but has they, been taken down. In this case, I think for a fairly appropriate reason. Although you know, it's it's part of the big tech takedown. Yeah. It's but you know what I'm saying. false medical information, which is true in this case. This is actually true, um, unlike the stories about hydroxychloroquine. They yeah. were true, but the media deemed them false and took them off social media. Isn't it funny about that drug that everybody is attacking? You know, that, that's where this whistleblower came at that he was upset about because Trump made the statement that he had read that it was a legitimate uh, drug to be used. And in fact, now we found out that the president, in conjunction with his own personal physician at the White House, is taking that and zinc as a preventive, uh, as a preventive. drug. And uh, everybody, you know, kind of sh- shut everybody up a little bit. Because, you know, you're telling people to do this and do that, and you can't keep doing that. If you keep doing that, how crazy are you? You know, that kind of thing. You've heard you've well, heard the people. I mean, of course I have. And, of course, then Ms. Pelosi decides that she would rather be our president's personal doctor, and she's going to comment on his medical conditions and decide whether it's appropriate or not for him to take it. What well, happens of course. to the my body, my choice thing? That's right. You know, that's my body, exactly my right. choice. <laughs> that's always their that's always their mantra. Oh boy. Thank the president. You know what? The the president's doctor uh is considered one of the best doctors in the country. They don't just put anybody in there uh to take care of uh the president, you know. Because he he does exactly. hold a place of importance uh, in our government, and uh, and this doctor has has prescribed this uh, malaria drug in in a tandem with zinc, and uh, the president not showing any problems taking it at all, and you know New, Neil Cavuto went off the deep end yesterday about that. I mean, absolutely off the deep end. But it it was because they don't have anything better to do. Yeah, and here's the thing: it was before Neil Cavuto found out that the president was taking the drug. I mean, he's saying, "Oh Lord, why, it wasn't, uh. why would you be telling people to do something that that could cause their death and blow up?" Because the president's taking it. All right. Oh, he went off on it before he found out. That's oh, correct. Gosh. Yeah, he ended up, yeah, Neil Cavuto <laughs> ended up looking like a dummy. He really did. Oh. And uh, and and the people who were posting on on the story looked like dumbasses as well. They're they're talking about how Cavuto is a lefty and he needs to be on CNN. And I'm going, what Neil Cavuto are you watching, man? You know, you you, you trolls, go away. I mean, 
you know, if you got something serious to say, you got some proof about it, I'm willing to listen. But you just get on there and say, well, he's a lefty, you know, he's a commie. Yeah, he's, no, he's not. Come on. <laughs> well, you got you to gotta think about it like this, too. Just kind of a little thought exercise. What if Trump had come out early on and said, you know, you never want to have anything to do with hydroxychloroquine. It's a horrible drug. It's not good. Would things have swung the other direction? I kind of wonder that they would. Oh, sure. The media would have done a story saying several, you know, many doctors are saying that it's a viable treatment. I mean, sure, that would have happened because that's the way it goes with Trump. Because that's I mean, the only reason they're just, doing this now is that Trump said it. Trump if he said says it. If he says the sky is clear, they'll say there's clouds. If he says that's that right. the sky is cloudy, they'll say, no, it's clear. Sunshine and bright. <laughs> It's just the way it has been, and it's going to keep that way. President's going to get reelected, and it will be for another four years. That's and what's going to happen. Yes, he will be. He will still be the president. I don't buy all these stories that I'm reading because you can see the misappropriation of logic in them that the Democrats are not only going to win the House, they're going to win the Senate. That's not going to happen. I'm just telling you that's not going to happen. And okay. that Here you go and, from your Facebook. Yeah. Just as the flag in your picture says liberty or die, I will not get the vaccine simply because of my right to liberty, just as President Trump can choose his own treatment. That's right. That pretty much. That pretty that's much right. that's why I say liberty. It's, it's what Patrick Henry said. Give me liberty or give me death. You give me the right to run my life or you might as well shoot me now. The if truth. the media would give us accurate information to make better choices, we are capable of making good choices on our own here in our country. Yeah. Anyway, I haven't heard from my friend Lars out in Oregon. If I do, I'll let everybody know. We'll get him on. Don't forget, we got Rush coming up bottom of the hour at 7.30. We've got the uh, Bible guys coming up right after the news at 7 o'clock. They'll be with us. Haven't had a lot of quest- questions this week. If you got a question, remember to send it to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. That's BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. Or call in at 823-0965. A minute until the news. Elizabeth, I'll talk to you at 8 o'clock. Hopefully, Lars will join us from Oregon. But uh, right now, I'll let you take a break, get yourself some coffee or whatever, and we'll be back at 8 o'clock. Bible guys are right around the corner. Thanks for being with us here at, at uh, the 6 o'clock hour. So Dave Ellswick show, traffic, weather, and all the rest coming up here in the next few minutes. The news is next here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Bible guys are in this hour. 
And uh, we got Scott Stewart here, pastor of Agape Church here in Little Rock. And, of course, uh, Steve Est is here with us as well. He uh, runs the school uh, over at Agape. Billy Miller will not be with us. Just got a text from him saying that he woke up this morning and had no voice. And so uh, he won't join us today. If you have a question, you can uh, email me at uh, BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. Okay, guys, I'm going to, I got another question ready to go, but I'm going to start off with this. Uh, Over the last few days, uh, there has been a movement across the United States of people getting tired of their their governors and mayors and, I don't know, uh, quorum court judges and whomever thinks that they have the right uh, to say you can do this or you can't do this. You can do this or you can't do that. you got to stay home. You can't go out and do I mean, in some of these, you know, our governor didn't uh, say to people of Arkansas, you must stay home. He did not say that. Uh, he yep. asked people to stay home. Uh, and, a, and a lot of us complied with that. Uh, we were not forced to stay home. In some states, for instance, in California, you can't be outside your home. I mean, it's the law. Michigan, you, you can't be out. It's the law. So, you know, uh, are you all getting as far as church goes? Are are you in the in the pulpit getting tired of of this now, Scott? Are are you guys getting are you guys starting to ask questions of the governor about things like this? Uh, well, from my perspective, I think that, uh, like you said, I think our governor has taken a very uh, even-handed um, approach to it. I don't think he's been anything like these other. These other governors, if I'm not, if I'm not, mis- if I'm not mistaken, I think that uh, these other governors who've done this, I think they've all been Democrats, where they have, um, I think that there's just a completely different ideology compared to Republican governors as opposed to Democrat governors, how they've handled this whole thing. And I think one is certainly expressed a lot more um, freedom, which our governor has um, has done. But um, the long and short of it, yes, I'm, I'm certainly getting... Um, Getting tired of the uh, of the quarantine, but uh, we we are having services at um, at our church because, as you said, the governor did say uh, that what he was pre- presenting were suggestions or guidelines. They were not edicts. They were not directives. Uh, they were not executive orders. And and so we have prayed and sought the Lord how we should go about it. And we have you know we've divided up our church into a couple of different services. We're not having children's services as of yet, so we've. Got our social distancing going on. We've done everything that we can do to comply, but at the same time, we have to comply with with the scripture and um, can't forsake assembling ourselves together. Right. Christian faith is, the Christian faith is a very uh, a very tactile faith. We're meant to touch. Uh, you know, we're supposed to give each other, you know, holy kisses. We're meant to lay hands on the sick. We're meant to be very much uh, involved with with one another, and it's. When you look at scripturally, you know, the only time where, we, where when the body was not allowed to gather was a result of, of, a, of a curse. You know, God set up a temple where we were meant to gather at um, together. He meant for us to, to have a place of assembly. The only time 
the assembly was taken away, when the temple was destroyed, was when there was a yeah. curse. So not being able to assemble is a result of um, a curse. And so uh, I think that we need to, to move as quickly as we can to get things back to some semblance of uh, normality on the part of people. Um, and we also you face the fact that uh, habits develop quickly. And, you know, people can get in a really quick habit of um, just saying, yeah, well, I, w- I guess I won't go to church anymore. I don't really need to or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a mul- there's, there's a lot of different things we're trying to consider here. But um, I'm definitely concerned about what I see happening in the country and how complicit Christians seem to be uh, with just almost, it seems like almost just kind of blindly obeying. Now, speaking about California, I think I saw where 3,000 churches have come together to sue the government, um, the California yes. government, for what they're doing. They have. So there's, and, and they, there's some they've done the same. Out. Just so you know, Scott, they've done the same in, in uh, Oregon, and they won thus far. Oh, really? That's yeah, great. They, yeah, so there's starting to they, become some pushback on the parts of churches, because I think there's a lot of hypocrisy and double standard. I mean, if you're going to allow abortions to keep going, and you've got to get a lot closer than, than six feet to, you know, to do an abortion— and you know, and you're okay with that, but you can't go to church, or you're, you know, you're okay to do a lot of other things, but not uh, attend church. It almost begins to feel like it is a, um, it is an attack in some way against the, uh, against the church. But there's so many conflicting news reports. That's where we, as a people of God, just have to, to pray and obey. So, what do you think? What do you think about the mayor of New York, De Blasio? He seems to be an anti-Semite to me. Is he? Do you think he is? He's, it, a, he's been he's been he's been yeah, attacking he, the Jewish people. Yeah, he he's been very inconsistent as well with um, where they want to hold things down and and how they um, you know how they specifically went after that one um, Jewish um, funeral, but then they opened up offering meals to the Muslims during Ramadan and and had them allowed them to come down and gather and all that kind of stuff. So it seems to be that yeah. He seems to be uh, a little anti-Semitic in some of his responses, and um, I, I don't. I, well, I won't say it the way I was going to say it because that would be just demeaning. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. For, I don't care for the man, um, and uh, I hope he comes to know the Lord. Yeah. Well, as, yeah, as we say, de blah blah Blasio. I mean, he spe- yeah. he talks a lot, doesn't say anything, but he talks a lot. So blah blah Blasio. Yeah, and he yeah. So he came out and he did say. Um, he especially singled out um, uh, churches and synagogues, and he said, "If you if you open up, then we will shut you down permanently." Permanently, yes. And, and, and you know, he didn't mention mosque in that whole thing, but he did mention the, the church and synagogue. So if you're going to start up, they're going to shut you down permanently. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, there's, there's, he has no constitutional authority to do anything right. uh, like that. I mean, I think you're going to find that. I, um, I I put myself in this category. Uh, very within the last, I'd say, week to two weeks, <clears throat> that I've kind of about had enough of this. Um, in the beginning part of it, we were um, uh, we were being good and obedient and um, listening to our leaders who had all of this supposed information. And they, were, you know, at one point they were telling us that potentially a million people were going to die for this. And so, you know, we locked down and you know we stayed home and. And only went to the grocery store, that kind of thing, if necessary. But now, when when their quote unquote models weren't even remotely close, and now you have the people around the rest of the country um, that are doing all of these protests because they're tired of these lunatic governors, 
I think it's kind of at the point where they better figure something out because there's a whole lot more guys like me that are going, look, we tried to be nice. We tried to be obedient. We were trying to be good stewards. We want to be kind to our brothers. We want to make sure that nobody else is going to get sick. But you guys have been flat wrong in a lot of this, and we're done. And I, I, yeah. think, that the, I think we're moving that way. Yeah, it seems to be you, that we're moving that way. I don't know if you yeah. saw this or not, Dave. I'm sure you did. Um, you're much more in tune than I am. But, you know, um, whenever uh, Fauci was actually being – uh, testifying before the Senate that um, Rand Paul, who's actually a medical doctor, uh, was mm-hmm. questioning him. And after the questioning, the CNN comes in and says how unqualified Rand Paul was to question Fauci in that way. He's not uh, qualified enough to do that. And then they turned around and they appointed Greta Thunberg to an expert panel <laughs> on coronavirus. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. What? what what kind of a lunacy is going on over there at CNN? I just, just a well, you, political... your oper- your operative word was correct, lunacy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know that that's exactly what it is, and they have they definitely have a narrative that they follow, and they're going to continue to follow it. And it's like yeah. they're all behind Pelosi on her three trillion dollar quote coronavirus uh, heroes bill. But the bottom line, it doesn't do much for coronavirus, but it sure does a lot for a lot of the uh, people who support the Democratic Party. Right. But Trump isn't going to uh, sign that, is he? It won't get past the Senate. Oh, no, it? no, it, no, it won't get past the Senate. It, 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 as Senator Kennedy from uh, Louisiana said, it's as dead as a fried chicken when it gets to, <laughs> when it gets to the, the to the Senate, no. uh, as far as that's concerned. And I agree I particu- with Senator I particularly liked, um I particularly like the rest of Mr. Kennedy's comments there. About oh about uh, the Republicans couldn't get their heads up their anal canals. In yeah, uh, yeah. He said we couldn't get our heads up. Yeah, we we trying to understand Pelosi's bill, but we couldn't get our heads up uh, our butts as much as the Democrats have done. <laughs> so I, I I thought that was pretty good. I, I played that last hour on my show. Yeah, Senator Kennedy hasn't been mincing, mincing words, as they say. Uh, in the South. All right, we got 17 after. We'll get to some questions when we get back. If you got a question, uh, if you can't call, uh, email me. Uh, email me at BibleGuys at SalemLR.com or you can call 8230965. Don't forget about uh, our good friends over at uh, PI Roofing. They're ready to uh, help you in any way they can because remember, they're not just a roofing company but they also take care of other things like working on your uh you know inside of your house replacing windows taking care of the soffit all of that kind of stuff uh they can do all of those things as well and would be happy to do them you don't have to go see them at their uh uh, offices. You can do it over the phone. You can do it by computer. Uh, they'll come out. They'll look things, look at things without getting in in your way or uh, messing up the social distancing. If you're worried about that, they'll take care of all of those things. And then they'll work with your insurance company. Uh, they do a great job on that. Did a good job when they did my roof several years back, uh, fixing it for me. They went to, to my uh, my uh, 
uh, insurance company had them come out with their appraiser. They walked the roof with them, showed them the problems. They agreed that the roof needed to be replaced, and it was all taken care of in a matter of just a few days. That can happen for you as well. During this time of the coronavirus, the folks at PI Roofing understand things are different. They're doing business differently. Keep you safe, keep their workers safe, and uh, keep everybody safe. That's PI Roofing, 707-3551, 707-3551, or you can uh, reach out to them at piroofing.com. We got traffic, we got weather, then we got the Bible guys back with us. Scott and Steve return in a moment here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're continuing with the show. We got about eight minutes till uh, 7.30. We're moving towards the bottom of the hour. You won't hear Billy Miller today. He uh, didn't have a voice when he got up this morning. Um, I was looking at the tree pollens down, but grass pollens up. So uh, grass pollen may have got him today. That, that can happen. Uh, I Scott, wanna, they, yeah. I want to find out if he's listening because I was going to see if there's a way that I could order that in the future. Um, you know, to where he had, his voice comes and goes. So I just want oh, to okay. actually listen. <laughs> All right. Are you listening or are you asleep? You know, Pastor Miller. All right. Here we go. Here's your question uh, for Scott and Steve. Can you guys speak to the issue of the Sabbath? Now, they leave this wide open. I know it's a big question, but I was wondering how you three walk it out practically and spiritually. So let's start it off with you, Scott. How do you walk out the Sabbath practically and spiritually? Because they're not one and the same. No. Uh, and I'll just I'll flip the question around and start off with the spiritual part first, because I think that when it comes to anything uh, in the Scripture, whether it's the Sabbath or whether it's tithing or whether it's uh, you know uh, you know watching the words of your mouth or or forgiveness or whatever it is. You've got to get a spiritual revelation of it first before you're going to have any natural outworking of that. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't used to, to, to tithe or give until I had the revelation of what tithing was really about. And I, I didn't accept Jesus as my Savior until I had revelation by the Holy Spirit that He was my Savior. And I didn't, you know, understand I had to forgive before I could be forgiven until the Holy Spirit, you know, until I had revelation of that. So you, if you're just going to, if you just want to, get a formula to do something in Sabbath without having a revelation, it's going to quickly become just a work of the flesh that you're doing. And it's not going to be organic and it's not going to be, you know, an outflow of your belief system. So spiritually speaking, you have to first understand in your heart by revelation of the Holy Spirit, what the Sabbath is, how it's God's chosen day. It's his holy day. It's the first thing that God blessed, and He blessed it and gave it to mankind long before there was ever any Jews or any Gentiles. So this is not a Jew thing. It's not a Gentile thing. It is a God thing. And once you really grab a hold of that in the spiritual sense, then the natural outworking of it becomes quite uh, quite easy. Um, the word uh, Shabbat comes from the word meaning to rest or repose, and really. Uh, initially, it was given to, to man as a, a time of, of rest. And we know that God, I don't mean to preach a sermon here, but we know that, that God rested on the seventh day, which should be a really big, um, a big um, you know, kind of a flashing light to people, because if God is omnipotent, meaning 
he's all powerful. He he never has a decrease of power or ability. Then the question has to be asked: Why did he rest? Then was he tired? If he was tired, that means he was deficient in energy. Right. And if he's defi- and if he's deficient in energy, that means he's not omnipotent. So he couldn't have been deficient in energy. He couldn't have been um, tired. So the reason he rested was not because he needed to, but because he wanted to show us what we were supposed to be doing. If you think about it, God made Adam on the sixth day. And so the first thing, Adam didn't see God create anything uh, as far as animals, plants, and so forth. The first thing that Adam saw God do was create rest. The first thing Adam got to see was God himself resting. And so this becomes then the example for us to, to walk out. And, and there are practical things. I'll pitch it over to Pastor Steve, and then I'll, I can come back. He can bounce it back to me, and we can talk about some practical things. But I think, first of all, it's got to be a spirit thing that you understand it in your heart before you even try to walk it out. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree. You know, that's just a perfect understanding of what it means to uh, grab something in the spirit realm. And, and uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews in chapter 4 brings that out, where he says, um, that there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. And he's using the rest from sin and a spiritual rest, and he's drawing on the idea and the concept of Sabbath. Now, unfortunately, some have thought that um, that, that was the replacement idea of the physical. Um, and what he was doing, even though it doesn't say this specifically, I think the intent of his wording is, hey, you guys keep the Sabbath every week. You understand what it means to physically rest. Now, let me explain to you what happens in the spirit realm when you rest in the Lord, when you rest from sin, and when you rest from the things of the world. And I think that was, you know, the really the, the deeper part of what he was trying to say. But he was not saying to forsake the physical or the literal keeping of it, because there is also a physical rest that is um, just as necessary as any spiritual rest, because, you know, we can't go unending without sleep and bodies would collapse so you got to have both in, in order for it to be the full and the well-roundedness and the other point that i would make if anybody ever wants to try and understand what it means to be holy the first time the word holiness is used is when god said he blessed and sanctified the sabbath and so that's the picture of holiness six days you can do this one thing but on the seventh day you have to do this thing unto me so it's a complete separation a completely other than everything else, and it's the actual picture of holiness for us. We could talk days or shows on this, I think. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, and I was going to add in here. You know, there are uh, there are people who believe, or they say that that Sunday is the new Sabbath, or that's our Sabbath day. Um, and you have to remember that the word itself um, it means to, uh, to to rest. And so, people believe that. Sunday is now the new Sabbath because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. And that's their sole explanation for removing it. And I've said this many times, and I've heard it said a long time ago, but the Bible says in, in the book of Exodus, it says to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And, and this minister said, it's interesting that the one command that God told us to remember, the evangelical world says, I forget about it. Yep. So it is. We have been told to remember this day and to keep it holy, but we're being told by our ministers, forget about it. It doesn't have anything to do with you, because Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. That is true, but it's because he was keeping the feast of first fruits. 
he wasn't trying to change anything that his father had already put in place. He was merely, as a good Jewish boy, keeping the Feast of the Lord, which was the Feast of First Fruits, which was what Resurrection Sunday was actually all uh, all about in the first place. All right. Place. I need and, you to hold your thoughts. Okay. We'll be back after the break. we got Rush Limbaugh coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Then the Bible guys will be back with us at 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. 26 minutes until 8 o'clock. The Bible guys are here. You got a question? Send it to me at BibleGuys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R dot com. We've been talking about the Sabbath uh, here in the last few minutes. Uh, Most evangelical churches today meet on Sunday uh, and will... You know, and, and the pastor, as we were talking during the break, it's interesting. Uh, you know, you got uh, you got the commandments, the Ten Commandments, but we tend to ignore one of them. Just totally ignore it. It doesn't. That doesn't. No big deal about that. About keeping Sabbath. So, what is it about that amongst uh, the evangelical Christian church today uh, that? ignores the sabbath and a lot of that goes back you know you know hundreds if not thousands of years ago uh dealing with the sabbath and it was a you know it was taught in 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 the jewish religion and for some reason when jesus rose for the dead it's like the jewish religion didn't uh, didn't matter even anymore even though jesus was a jew i mean that, that's the biggest dichotomy that I don't get about all of this is that people who speak against the Jews and all kinds of stuff and and hate the Jews Jesus was a Jew folks he wasn't <laughs> he, he wasn't a white guy walking right. around in the Middle East he was a Jew and and he lived a Jewish life he walked around dressed like the rabbis did because he was a teacher yep yep that's what I I don't understand it. I, you know, we have we have so whitewashed uh, Christianity at times that it's really disturbing to me that we've done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, you know, the scripture says that we are to be conformed into his image, but we have worked very hard to conform him into our own. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, so we've made him more and more Western, more and more uh, American. Uh, as opposed to us as Americans becoming more and more Eastern and more and more um, Hebraic. That's the trajectory. That's the way we're supposed to be going. Um, but even with, you know, even once the Messiah rose from the dead on Sunday, as we said, we did that to keep the Jewish feast of, of our fruits, not to inaugurate a new day of worship. And even after uh, the resurrection, we see in the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul, you know, still, uh, going into synagogues every Sabbath day, and even Gentiles coming to him and said, could you declare the word unto us the following Sabbath? Which he right. did. And then you have in the book of, uh, I believe it's the book of um, uh, of Isaiah, where the Bible says in the millennial kingdom, when there's a new heaven and there's a new earth, we'll still be celebrating Sabbath in the millennial kingdom or in the new heaven and new earth. So this is not a a terrestrial earthbound thing. It was not made for the Jews. It was given to Adam long before there was ever any Jews on the planet. That being said, you know, Exodus 20 is where we get the Ten Commandments from, but if you read in Exodus 16, they're still keep, they're keeping Sabbath already in Exodus 16. Uh, so uh, this, this is something that, you know, a lot of pastors will say, well, we tithe because 
tithing was before the law. And because tithing existed before the law, it makes it a law unto itself, and therefore I can teach tithing in my church, and I'm not being lawish. But they're not intellectually honest, because Sabbath existed before the law, but they don't teach that. Passover happened in Egypt long before Exodus 20 came along, but they don't teach that. Uh, how did, how did uh, you know, that Noah took animals in the ark two by two, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Noah took the animals in the ark by twos that were unclean and by sevens that were clean. So it was by twos and by sevens. Well, you have to hold on a second and ask the question, how did Noah know what animals were clean and unclean before Moses' law came along to tell them what it was? That's right. So they, That's they, don't, they, don't, they only pick and choose the parts they want, which is the tithe, is the offering. Well, they leave everything else out. That's right, and the other part, and you have to ask yourself why. And it's, and it's not to blame pastors or you know church nope. denominations or anything. It comes down to the enemy knows that if we ever grab a hold of the meaning of the Sabbath and we both keep it spiritually and physically, and if we worship the Messiah, worship God in the Passover, in the first fruits, and in um, Pentecost, and all of the feasts, and from a Hebraic concept. Um, that there will become more faith and more power in the body, and there will be less division. And when we had the question, if we had a the question we had a week or two ago uh, that asked about why we were in more unity, and one of the things that Pastor Scott said was is because we study from this perspective, and we understand that there are things that are important and things that are not important, and then also it just clearly answers questions when you put everything in that context of its Hebraic foundation. It eliminates the things that people tried to wrestle through for centuries that didn't know this. So that's why all of it and all of its totality is so important. Sabbath and, and feast and Hebraic thought is all so important to understanding our faith. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, it goes back. I mean, look, they were meeting on the Sabbath, the, the Christians, the people who believed in Jesus, uh, from the very beginning, when he walked on the earth, there were there were thousands of them that believed in who he said he was, and yeah. they were worshiping on Saturday. They were meeting at the synagogue on Saturdays. They weren't meeting mm-hmm. on Sundays. It was only like what three hundred years later that uh, when Constantine came in as the Roman Empire, and for some for some reason, and I, all I can say is that the Father of Lies got involved in it. Uh, they were convinced that, no, we're not going to meet on Saturday. That's too Jewish. We're going to do it over here on Sunday uh, because uh, that goes along with Jesus rising from the dead. That, that's, that's all I can come up with on it. And they yeah, well, swallowed the lie. Yeah, well, Constantine, he, he wrote an edict in 325. He convened the, the Council of Nicaea in, in, uh, in 325. And in the, in the council, what, uh, one of the things he said in there, he said, he said it seems a most uh, unholy thing that we should have anything in common with the vilest of mankind, the Jews. Yeah. So he, be, he began a process to de-Judaize the church. And, of course, one of the huge things within the huge things within the church world, that being the Sabbath, he had to purge that out. Now, there were already six that were beginning to abandon the Sabbath um, as they also went out into the Gentile world, but he's the one who really institutionalized these massive reforms and massive changes. 
And so, and and going back to Steve's point, it, the, the ministers, you know, it's it's it, the ministers are only teaching what they've been taught. You know, they went to school, they were taught what they were taught, and they continue to teach what they were taught. So it's not the ministers. Uh, fault. They're not doing anything nefarious. They're not doing anything intentional. They really believe that what they're saying is true because that's what they've been taught. But see, but also Steve and I were taught in the past also about uh, Sunday as well. But we had to come to the point when we're reading the Scripture to say, you know what? What I was taught is not lining up with the Scripture. And that's where the real tension and real rubber meets the road because now the tradition I was taught is being confronted by the Word of God, and now we have to choose God over man. And many times in doing that, you lose a lot of friends. You lose a lot of reputation. You lose a lot of your prestige. And that is a really difficult thing for, you know, you can imagine someone in a denomination who's been in that denomination for 30 or 40 years, and they see the truth of God's Word, and they have to make a decision that may cause them to lose everything that they have built up over time. It's not an easy step to... uh, to take, but it is a, nece- a, nece- a necessary one. Yeah, so what what do you do as a pastor? Let's say you are pastoring a church and you come to understand through the teaching of the Holy Spirit that you made up in your mind that what the Bible says is what the Bible means, um, not passing it through a sieve of, of man's logic, but through what you know the spirit says and you go and you stand in front of your church and you go folks uh starting next week we won't meet on sunday we're going to meet on saturday that's that would shake most churches to their core even Mm -hmm. if you had the greatest sermon prepared that showed impeccably what you were saying was the absolute truth there'd be a lot of people would not receive it right well, um, I'll just quickly speak to this, and I'll let Steve jump in here. Um, well, when the command was first given, uh, and this is what I've done. When the command was first given, the command was given to rest. It was not given to go to church. Okay. Uh, and that's what God did with Adam. And if you look at Exodus, it's about, it's about resting before the Lord. It's not about a church service. So what, what you do is you, you, you teach people, and you say, listen, you're, you, your job is to honor the Lord on His holy day on the Sabbath, and you, He will begin to celebrate Sabbath on the actual Sabbath. Uh, they still can come to church on Sunday, but you still honor the Sabbath. So basically, you, 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 they do both. They honor the Sabbath. They keep it holy. Uh, they make it separate. They make it different. They distinguish it from all other days. The Sabbath doesn't look like any other day, and you keep it holy and you sanctify it and you keep it before the Lord. You go to church on Sunday, and then you go home and you do your work, you do your shopping, you go out to eat, whatever. So, But Saturday is different, and it's, and it's holy. So basically, you, people are doing both things um, before there's any shift. And now, from my, and from my perspective, what's happened with our church is as our people are beginning to keep Sabbath, now people are coming to me and saying, hey, how about doing a Sabbath service? So, so after they start keeping it themselves personally, as well as going to church on Sunday, now they're trying to ask about possibly doing a Sabbath service. So it's beginning, it kind of becomes an organic outgrowth of what you do on, um, on Saturday. So bottom line is what you're saying, you can do both, but you yes. shouldn't do either or. Right. Yeah, you can, you, you can, do, you can do both of them. Um, and I think that's the place where you have to start, and then you allow the Lord to develop and lead it from there. 
but you cannot allow Sunday to replace Saturday. Yeah, Sabbath. If you do, then you're then you bought into replacement theology. Just like we say, well, Easter now pa- oh, Easter now replaces Passover, and and you know, and, and so you start replacing things. And Israel, the church replaces Israel, and Easter replaces Passover, and Sunday replaces Sabbath. No, it doesn't work that way. So, for those who are listening, yeah. for those who are listening, I would encourage them to give it a try because there's until you do it, until you actually set that day aside, you will not understand when people try to explain to you what happens on that day. When you set it apart, because God blessed, God blessed the seventh day and He sanctified it. There's a blessing on that day and no other day. So until you separate and actually do it, it's hard to explain what happens in the spirit realm until you actually acknowledge that day and don't do any of the other things that you do in the world because you will feel and experience the blessing that God put upon that day. All right. Got to take a break, guys. We got to get our final break in for this hour. Uh, Scott and Steve are here on the Bible, guys. You got a question, 823-0965, the number to call in. If you need to be at work at by uh, 8 o'clock, you got 14 minutes right now. Uh, 96% of Americans, that's 96%, claim their Social Security benefits at the wrong time. And that mistake can cost them an average of $111,000 over their retirement. That's a lot of uh, greenbacks, folks. Learn how you could avoid this with a free Social Security analysis from David Lucas Financial right here in North Little Rock. If you've saved more than $250,000 and have not filed for Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers to schedule your free analysis now at 501-222-3315. This free analysis can be done over the phone or through video conferencing. Call 501-222-3315. 501 3315 Investment advisory services are offered through the David Lucas Financial Company, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. Traffic and weather, and then more of the Bible Guys on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, nine minutes until eight, and uh, Pastor Scott started a series on Sunday called Shavalt, where the counting better known to us as Pentecost. Uh, And uh, this questioner says, I'm wondering if uh, Steve, because Billy's not here right now, but if Steve would add anything to what Pastor Scott has thus taught. I'm assuming that you know what he taught, so this question may not work. Go ahead. Leave it in your um, your court. One of the things that, um, um, actually, this, this sermon that he he taught a very similar sermon, I think, about a year after he had taken over the pastor out there. And that was the only time up to that point that um, I was shaking like a leaf because I was about to get up and do a Holy Ghost runaway. Uh, because <laughs> until, you, until you get up and see exactly what is happening in the midst of all of this, and as one of the points that Pastor Scott brought out was, um, I think it's somewhere around 76% of of Jesus's ministry would happened around in just in the feast and to understand how yeah. important the feasts are and within his ministry, within the context of what 
Paul and Peter and everybody was writing in the context of this feast is extremely important, so much so that in Acts 18, he said it was necessary that he get back to Jerusalem to keep it because it was the picture of the restoration of what was lost at Mount Sinai when they initially, if you will, rejected what had happened in the offer that God made in the failing. Um, and so it, it, for people who may not be listening, it's not so much that it'll add to, but what happened at the, at the Mount Sinai was actually the first Pentecost. And, and, and God said that he wanted to make those people a kingdom of priests. And so that's why you see this terminology used later on throughout the Gospels and the New Testament, because we are now that which was supposed to happen then. And that's ultimately what happened in Acts 2 uh, was this Pentecost or Shavuot. It wasn't, and I've had people just say, well, it was just an arbitrary day. Mm-hmm. It was a specific day. It was 50 days. It was 50 days after he rose from the dead. And it was to make a point about how he was restoring what was lost when we broke the law. And, and to make the exact analogy, 3,000 people died at the golden calf, and then 3,000 people got saved that day. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. 50 days later, when they're harvesting the wheat and the barley, now they're harvesting souls. You see the literal with the spiritual application. There was just so much that goes on here that it's just something that's worthy of celebrating. It's why you count up, you get excited about what's coming because God's getting ready to pour out a spirit. God's getting to rebirth his people. There's just a lot going on. So not sure that I can add to it as much as just encourage how awesome of the sermon it was. And, and I, and, cause I have a rough idea where he's going. I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. <laughs> okay. So here's my, here's my question, uh, Scott and Steve, yeah. we, we just mentioned about, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Sabbath, Shavuot, and we've talked about, there's people who have told me that uh, uh, we don't have to to hold uh, 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 Passover, although when Passover is presented to us in the New Testament, it's presented with Christ saying, uh, you know, I'll not do this again until we do it again together in heaven, which means that it's an eternal event. And that yep. would tell me that I'm supposed to be having Passover. Well, God is the one who instituted all the uh, all of these uh, festivals and holidays. So doesn't that mean we should be keeping them? Absolutely. I mean, if you go back to I mean, the people who say you, we don't need to be doing Passover, you should ask them. Uh, at that point, say so. You're saying we shouldn't be keeping, commun- don't need to be doing communion anymore. And of course, you're going to say, well, no, we do communion. Well, all, well, you don't understand the context because communion is the end of the Passover meal. So yes, you, it's a small you, you part of you it. Yeah, you don't, you don't have really the communion. And Jesus said this: as often as you drink this cup. Now, you've been in the Passover meal before, David. You know there are four cups at Passover. That's correct. Well, when he says, as often as you drink this cup, which cup was that? It's called the cup of redemption. He says, you do it in remembrance of me. Well, how often did they drink from that cup? Once a year at Passover. As, as often as you eat this bread. And what was that bread? It was a special bread that was produced once a year that was wrapped in a bag and broken and pierced and all that. that as often as you eat this bread, well, how often did they eat that bread? Once a year at Passover. Communion is... The Passover meal. So people who say you don't do Passover, then you can say, well, what you're saying is we don't do communion anymore because it's the same thing. But because we're so disconnected from our Hebraic root, we don't understand that. And that requires, of course, education. But going back to this feast of 
of, of Shavuot or Pentecost. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, think about this: the post-crucified, post-resurrected Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now the plan of redemption is complete. On the cross, he said, "It is finished." He's already destroyed the work of the enemy, brought in at redemption, brought in atonement. And yet, what does he do, Dave? But he waits here on earth for 40 days. The Bible says he can, he's continued to stay on earth for 40 days. For what? Mm-hmm. What's he doing here? There's nothing left to do except to count, as the Bible commanded, count up to the arrival of Pentecost. And what does Jesus do? Rises about to ascend to heaven, which he did on the 40th day. He said, go to Jerusalem. Now, this he's telling this to the post-resurrected group of people. He says, go to Jerusalem and celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And on that day, I will pour out the blessing. So but that was my paraphrase. He didn't say it quite like that. But he tells him to go, to go to Jerusalem and to wait from the promise. So he goes to heaven and he doesn't send the Holy Ghost on day one or day two. He waits 10 days before he sends the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he's waiting in heaven for that 50 days to roll around to pour out the Spirit. That means the first thing he tells the New Testament church to do is celebrate Pentecost, celebrate Shavuot. Not only that, but in heaven, the chronology of heaven is turning on the Feast of the Lord. That's why he doesn't send the Holy Ghost the first day he goes to heaven. He waits 10 extra days before he sends it, because heaven turns on these calendars or this feast of, of the Lord. So if heaven is all uh, Pentecost, Shavuot, if that's the first thing he told the New Testament church to do, then you better believe we should be doing it today. But I guarantee you, Dave, this time period will come and go, and the vast majority of churches won't even mention that Pentecost has been here. Well, I get a question. The very end of uh, Passover, of course, is uh, the blood of the lamb and, of course, the body of the lamb. But you can't understand either one of those unless you understand the beginning of the, pen- of the Passover meal. <laughs> absolutely. That's absolutely correct. You know, you got to understand it all to be able to understand the part. That's just that's just the way it is. Well, we're out of time, guys. It's well, we'll get into this again, I'm sure, because it's important for people to understand. Uh, the whole thing about Pentecost is that was the the Godhead came complete at that point. Is that not true? It was the Holy Ghost was poured out by the by the Son in the heaven with the Father. There you go. Godhead is complete at that point. All right. I appreciate you both, man. I really, really do. Hopefully in a couple of weeks we'll be back in the studio and people can see that it's not a couple of a bunch of zombies talking on the air. We really are alive and, and making it making our life uh, along the line. All right. We got to get to the news. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great day.
right, let's get back here. Final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show. If you weren't with us in the first hour, and many of you probably weren't, you may have been tucked snugly still in your bed, uh, you know, sawing them off, as uh, so, to, so to speak. Uh, we get up and we start talking early at 6 o'clock. So if you missed us, uh, we were talking about a lot of the things that the governors and uh, mayors and aldermen and, uh, you know, uh, your, you know, your different courts and things of that nature are doing are unconstitutional. And the only reason uh, they're getting away with what they're doing is that nobody's challenging them. Uh, this morning, uh, I was uh, uh, listening to Judge Napolitano uh, talk about that yesterday. And he was on uh, Maria Barloma. Uh, today he was on Fox and Friends yesterday, and I want to read to you what he said, because uh, there's truth in this. He said, "We need more people to resist these unlawful incursions into freedom by the governors." Uh, Napolitano's comments came after Ian Smith, the owner of Atlas Gym in Belmar said that after three months of complying with the Garden State's stay-at-home order, now this is we're talking New Jersey, uh, to help mitigate the spread of the coronavirus, residents and business owners are, quote, sick and tired of their rights being, quote, trampled. Uh, Atlas Gym co-owner Ian Smith is... Uh, fighting back. Smith vowed to keep opening up throughout the week, even if police tried to intervene. When police arrived on the scene, Smith was told he was in violation of the order, but the officer then told everyone to, quote, have a nice day, unquote, allowing the gym to open as planned. The crowd then erupted in cheers and people chanted USA. Police officers returned later Monday to issue the gym a summons for violating the governor's mandate. Napolitano also said that Wisconsin Democratic Governor Tony Evers was right to concede defeat in the battle with the Republican-led state legislature over coronavirus restrictions. Last week, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that Evers' administration overstepped its authority by extending the lockdown order, which originally took effect in March, from its original end date of April 24th until May 26th, without consulting legislators. The 4-3 to three ruling essentially reopened the state, lifting caps on the size of gatherings, allowing people to travel as they pleased, and allowed shuttered businesses to reopen, including bars and restaurants. Now, notice that in all this... Uh, when they res- uh, took off the restrictions, it did not say to businesses, you must reopen. That's not what happened. They were allowed to reopen if they wanted to reopen. There's some businesses right now, you know, the governor has given uh, some restaurants to let them open as long as they meet certain uh, specifics, like you know, only 30% packed and things of that nature. Well, there's some businesses that say they don't even want to do that, so they're staying closed. Well, they're not get, being given a summons uh, for staying closed. And, uh, of course, if they opened and, and did 50%, it would be interesting to see what would happen then. Patriots immediately flooded to bars within hours of the decision. 
The long Wisconsin says if you want to shut things down for more than 28 days, you have to get the consent of the legislature, and he didn't do that. He said he believes the same will happen in Oregon as lawmakers are facing similar tensions, explaining that governors lack the authority for most of the lockdown restrictions. Look, you can have demonstrations. You can assemble peacefully. You can travel where you want. You just need courage like Ian Smith and like the people who challenged the governors in Oregon and Wisconsin. Pretty interesting uh, what uh, Napolitano is saying, uh, uh, Elizabeth, and I don't think that uh, what he's saying is false in any way, shape, or form. I'm not an attorney. I don't even play one on TV. Like well, I stayed at a Holiday Inn last night, so I'm yeah, well there versed. You go. But I tell you what, you know, obviously it's not okay in our in our system of government for the executive branch to totally overrun the legislative branch or the judicial branch, for that matter. We're supposed to be co-equal branches, and I just don't, I mean, I totally agree with that. We are, I still am amazed, Arkansas is one of only eight states. Our governor did not lock us down. He urged us. They recommended a lot of things, but there were no, you know, police in the street. Well, Little Rock's a different issue, but there were no no police in the street from Governor Hutchinson's orders telling people that they couldn't go out on the street or picking you up if you're out in the uh, you know, surfing in the in, off the beach and they go out in the water and get you because you're out in public. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's very interesting uh, how this is playing out now. And it, it's it's very interesting to watch how the courts are responding. Now, I've got to tell you, some of this is because uh, President Trump has put conservatives back in the in the the uh, judiciary that these uh, oh, yeah. different cases are coming in front of them and i just i'm not used to rights being up front uh in these decisions i'm used to hearing the state has the right to tell you to do whatever they want you to do it's quite refreshing isn't it <laughs> yeah it is it really it is makes your head spin Make your head spin. Well, and I, I will say again, I am a big fan of President Trump. President Trump started off on the correct, you know, the right foot from the beginning when he said, look, you know, I'm the president, but the governors are the ones that need to run their state. They need to be the ones who tell you how to handle your state. It's different from the next guy. Again, they gave guidance. Um I haven't seen much of the guidance lately. I haven't watched any of the press information. I don't even know if they're talking about things regularly anymore. But uh, I think our governor in our state, as much as uh, I've been a critic, and I certainly am, in this case I have to very much brag on what he's done. We have, you know, comparatively across the board, Arkansas has done pretty well. I mean, no one's done okay. No one's done great. We've all had terrible troubles. But when you look at the terrible, terrible, terrible spread of this uh, disease in other states, plus some of the terrible economic impact, we've had an impact for sure. Um, all right. Two By the way, of, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have broken. in. Two-thirds of our state's small businesses applied and received, I understand, these Paycheck Protection Program loans. That tells you something. We're the first or second highest state as far as numbers of businesses that got in on that program. 
And it, it saved a lot of businesses. It's that simple. It has saved a lot of businesses. I just heard from Lars Larson. He cannot do Yay. today. He cannot do uh-huh. today, but he will be on with me tomorrow at 7.35 a.m. Uh, our time, 5.35 his time. So we'll talk to Lars tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show about what's going on in Oregon. And uh, the Supreme Court of Oregon stepped in uh, yesterday, uh, but uh, they they put a, a hold on uh, what the governor was trying to do. But they said that uh, oh. people, pundits that are watching it are thinking that uh, the governor is going to lose uh, on this whole thing of telling people that they cannot demonstrate and things of that nature. So, uh, And then I'll talk to him about uh, the story you have about Oregon uh, dealing with things changing as far as uh, elections go and things of that nature, dealing with the Republicans being told that, uh, you know, it's a, kind of a non-party uh, thing when, in fact, it's a closed primary. In a closed primary, if you get the wrong registration in the mail, you can't vote if you're a Republican and you get a nonpartisan yeah, you get it nonpartisan. You're not a Republican. You can't get in to vote. That's exactly right. So I'm going to talk. It's horrendous. Going to talk about that with Lars uh, Larson tomorrow. Good buddy of ours. I uh, see him all the time at all the events that we go to, and uh, he's been on before. I've been on his show before. So we're looking forward to having him tomorrow to talk about Oregon because he's in Portland. That's where he's at. I I asked him how he how he's kept from being assassinated. You know. Uh, in Portland. And Tifa's pretty strong out there. You're right. Oh, yeah. He's very strong. He's He speaks uh, He speaks the truth to people there uh, in, in like Portland. And I've asked him how, how Atifa hasn't targeted him, and he says, I think you're yeah. afraid of me. And so it's interesting Whoa. to talk to Lars. It really is. It's, it's very in- – and he says, they also know that I carry – <laughs> so they don't want to mess be willing with to bet if, I'd be willing to bet he does as well. <laughs> well, he does carry. That's well, what I'm know. saying. He's in California. I don't know how the you know how it works out there. So well, out, out he's in Portland, Oregon is where he's at. Oh, Oregon, and, not California. Yeah, okay, no, he's in Portland, Oregon. And, well, clearly uh, you can carry rifles on the street, and he yeah. does it all the time. Uh, the bottom line is uh, don't don't mess with Lars, man. If he feels threatened, uh, he will. He will drop down on you. There's no doubt about it. All right, 17 after 8. Got more to talk about. By the way, uh, go to the Dave Ellswick Show on Facebook. Everybody can be a, uh, a part of that Facebook page. There is no limit on it. Again, that's uh, Facebook.com slash the Dave Ellswick Show. Become part of that. And then, guys, I'd like you to go and gals. I mean, if you're a gal and you think that you look better with a beard, uh, go ahead and, and and jump on the Dave Ellswick Show uh, 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 Facebook page. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of guys have, you know, been growing beards uh, be- during the, the, the coronavirus. It's 10 weeks that we've been at home. I have. I got a pretty good goatee going right now. Uh, and uh, I haven't looked like this, to be honest with you, since college. So, uh, and it doesn't even look like... Uh, what I had in college, because in college it wasn't gray like it is right now. So uh, i just like to know if you stop shaving, uh, how about posting a picture of 
you know, what's your growth look like on your face? I'd kind of be interested in seeing that as well as well as other people who, who keep in touch with the Dave Ellswick Show. With that said, 18 minutes after 8, a break, and then uh, we got traffic and weather for you. We'll be back with more right now, uh, looking at very sunny skies today, a beautiful day, a high of 75, and for your uh, Wednesday, another beautiful day and a high of uh, 78. Uh, currently in uh, Cabot, we are looking at 61 degrees. Conway is 59 degrees. Hot Springs is 58 degrees. Little Rock, 59 degrees. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, so Lars will be on uh, tomorrow. And Lars Larson and I are very closely aligned politically in our thought processes. And I I knew he was with uh, KXL, but I did not remember that the uh, number, the dial number for KXL in Portland, Oregon, is 101. So uh, this is a little, <laughs> this is a little kind of freaky now. I'm going to tell him about this tomorrow. But uh, he asked, "What do you want to talk about?" And I said, "The nut job in Oregon, Governor Brown, and then uh, Republicans <laughs> getting non-party ballots for a closed Republican primary." So I've I've asked him to talk about that, and and I'm sure that he is up to his eyeballs in both of them. Uh, because he's a lot, he and I are a lot alike. We do a lot of local stuff. He does a lot of specific Portland stuff, like I do a lot of specific Arkansas. Uh, he follows what's going on in the uh, Portland legislature, as I follow what goes on in the uh, the Arkansas legislature. I mean, look, we got plenty of talk show hosts uh, that are on our station here at. Uh, you know, the answer or at Lars's station at KXL in Portland that are the big uh, national talkers. And they're talking all of the national news. Uh, but uh, if you want to know what's going on locally, you deal with me or you deal with him because uh, we dig into that stuff and get into it. That's how uh, Elizabeth got involved with my show is that she's very interested in local politics, too, believes, as I do, that the more local your uh, uh, government is, uh, the closer it is to you so that you can actually have an effect on your local government. Uh, you can actually call up and talk to, without much of a problem, typically your state rep or your state senator. Uh, and even more so, uh, the guy who is your quorum court member or your city council you member. And if you're listening, you should take advantage of that um, yes. regularly. Regularly. You should have a relationship with the people who represent you. Okay? That's their job, and that's your job. Our, our system was set up for participatory governance. Big words. That means it was set up for we the people for the people, by the people, that means we got to play our part. And that's the yeah. part that I think may be lacking a lot, except for complaining. Complaining yeah. is not really helpful. It's well, they don't, want, they don't want to hear from no, you. But you, you don't know? need to just fuss all the time. Yeah, Elizabeth, you need to be they, able to say, I have a complaint, but here's a thought. Here's a solution. Here's what I'd like to see yes. done. Here's what I'm willing to do to help you get it done. It's a participatory government. Yeah, call them up when you got good things to say about them, as well as when you got bad things yes. to say about them. Now, I know that there are some politicians that it is hard to find something good 
uh, to say about that. <laughs> but if you work real hard, you can do that. Because, you know, you want them to call and, and think, wow, I wonder what Dave wants to talk about today. You know, and the first thing that goes through their mind is not, oh, God, Ellswick's calling me again. Now, uh, and he's sometimes, have a gotcha question, you yeah, know. Yeah, sometimes that no. can happen with me just because uh, I, I typically am getting into their 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 bridge work because they're doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing. But that that's just... Uh, the nature of the beast that I'm involved in. Just know that. That's the reporting you know, be nice. part of the story. Be nice and be respectful. I'm, respectful. I'm, not, I'm not disrespectful when I talk to these people. I really am not. They irritate me at times to no end. Don't, don't get me wrong. They irritate the fire out of me. But uh, I try to be respectful to them. All right, when we well, come we back, uh, go ahead, Elizabeth. Go ahead. Sorry, the else. hint on that one is to not drop down, and you never do this, drop down into personal attacks. You're talking about the issue, you're talking about the policy, the problem, uh, the, the situation, whatever, but don't drop down into the personal attacks. That just makes everybody down in the gutter. And I won't even complain that it's the other side that does it all the time, and conservatives don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to come back here after the news, which is, well, after uh, Sean Hannity. Uh, But uh, we definitely uh, have different things to talk about today. Uh, There is a mystery Secretary Rice letter uh, that uh, has not been fully declassified, and people are asking for that. And I got a bunch of sound that I haven't gotten to today because we've been talking about so many different things. With that in mind, just Hold on to that for us, uh, Heidi, because I can get to those those questions coming up in, in the future. Uh, and then Elon Musk said that he just put a Tesla feature in that's worth $100,000. All right, so I got to ask you if you saw this yesterday, uh, Elizabeth, but the Democrats are already saying that they're going to try to impeach the president again, or they're looking into impeaching the president again. Did you see that? I did see that. And in fact, I got a text from a friend that said, I'm really, really, really angry now. I don't know what to even think about that. Do they really believe that they can continue to distract the American people this way? I guess they can. They've done it so far. I can answer my own question. I, I was, I just, I frankly heard it on the television and I turned it off. I thought, I don't even want to know about this right now. What do you think? I can't imagine. What is, what is wrong with these people? What kind well, of people do this? I, yeah, well, people who have TDS. I mean, that's very, uh, <laughs> very, uh, very clear. I mean, we're talking about Trump derangement syndrome. Anything but Trump, anybody but Trump, anything dealing with anything but Trump. Uh, Republicans issued a blunt warning to Democrats uh, during two days of debate that ended with a key committee vote on Friday approving articles of impeachment against President Donald Trump, predicting the party in power in the House would pay a price for trying to remove the president again uh, from office. So, it, it, you know, it just says, uh, say goodbye to your majority status in the House, said Representative Ken Buck, Republican of Colorado. And please join us in January of 2021 when President Trump 
is inaugurated again. As they prepare to move toward a final House vote in a divisive partisan Senate trial early next year, Democrats in Congress are under mounting pressure to prove that they made the right choice in pursuing an impeachment investigation into Trump's conduct with the Ukraine. Polls show the public is split on impeachment with half the country in support uh, and the other half opposed. Democratic voters in key 2020 primary and general election states expressed ambivalence about the impeachment investigation and how it would impact the party in the elections year. In Iowa, for instance, impeachment is something that people are aware of, but it's not the first thing on most voters' minds. What a big surprise. I mean, we all we just went through with this and got it done. And uh, he was found not guilty. Uh, They don't have anything new. That's impossible. And you come back with the same old song and dance. Uh, The American people saw through it just a few months ago. They will really see through it uh, if they bring the same, you know, uh, uh, lyrics back to the American public. Well, it's not a it's not a question of seeing through it. It's a question of seeing the facts. We now know exactly that all of that was based on absolutely nothing except Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, several different bad actors working together to try to set up a duly elected president and put half the country, uh, you know, disenfranchised. You're talking about disenfranchising people. Half the country here. They are refusing to accept this vote. They have since 2016. Now, there's no doubt that they're coming up with this again now. Do you think it has anything to do with the Senate? um, Oh, I think it's the Homeland Security Committee, Ron Johnson, the senator who's the Republican senator who's head of that, (laughs) says he's going to ask for a subpoena about Burisma and Hunter Biden and Ukraine. Now, do you think that may have anything to do with the, the Democrats jumping up and saying, look over here, look over here, we're going to make yeah. a bunch of noise, distract you again? Uh, yeah. That situation is heating up rapidly, and there's a lot of information coming out. Uh, you know, the news, again, is not covering a lot of the story, um, trying their best to ignore most of it, but I think facts are hard to ignore. Well, it's the same. It's the way with the uh, sexual misconduct, sexual harassment story still, uh, you know, sailing around Biden's head. You got all of these media uh, uh, groups that he completely ignored it until the last couple of weeks. It got to the point where they couldn't ignore it any longer because new information kept coming out and they had to say something. So uh, that's not over yet either, I do not believe. I think there's more uh, there's more shoes to fall on that. Hey, Lars Larson, here's what he had to say. He says, yep, I'd be glad to be with you in the morning, 735. Glad to do it. Lots of emails coming in about this whole thing about Republicans getting, you know, non-party uh-huh. uh, ballots. And uh, I talked to a GOP representative who will investigate too many for this to be just a simple mistake. So, Lars. And, uh, and again, it's only soon. Republican ballots. If you There's a Facebook page out there. Uh, I think it's called I've Changed. My ballot was changed, I think. And it's, you know, set up out there in Oregon for people to jump on and talk about it. And it is 
just hugely popular. And they're all stories from Republicans. There was a post in the state representative who was actually asking people, if you know of any Democrats who this has happened to, we need to talk to them because we haven't heard. It's very one-sided. So keep in mind tomorrow that at 7.05, Congressman Hill will be on, and he'll bring us the latest of information. I'm sure we'll talk about Pelosi's bill some. I mean, that's just such a target-rich environment. And then Lars Larson from KXL in Portland will join us, good buddy of mine. And we'll talk about uh, what's going on out there with the governor, what's going on out there about this primary, all of that. Lars, I have it for us at 735 tomorrow morning here on the the Dave Ellswick show. Don't forget Joe and Duck will be on tomorrow as well in the 8 o'clock hour. I might have somebody in the 6 o'clock hour. I've I've had a few people asking if I'd be interested to talk about this or that. And sometimes, you know, the the things that they want to talk about, I know that you'd be really interested in talking about. Others are, they're ahead of the the news curve. In other words, they want to talk about something, uh, but the story really hasn't been out there long enough uh, for you, the listener, to be uh, down with it. So I like to hold until uh, it's, you know, people have gotten a, a feel for these different stories and what's going <laughs> on. I, I get ahead. As Elizabeth will tell you, we, we sit and talk at, t- at times, and I'll mention stories, and it's ones that you probably won't see in the news for a couple of weeks, and I'm ready to talk about them. But if I bring it out, you're going, what are you talking about that for, Dave? And then two weeks later, it starts breaking in news, and they go, well, Dave said something about that. I remember that. So he knew something was going on before everybody else knew something was going on. It's just it's just part of the deal of being a – uh, a talk show host and have been around being a talk show host for over 35 years. I mean, you, you make friends, you make contacts, you you get information. That's just the way it all works here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Like Lars Larson, he'll be in tomorrow. He'll we, tell you all about those stories. That's going to be, we were we hoping to get some, him today because I wanted Elizabeth to be able to ask Lars some questions. Because Lars would like you, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, you'll send them I to me. I can You'll tell, you'll, um, you'll. You'll uh, you'll email me. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm I'm just really interested and horrified about the story about the voting uh, about the ballots because it looks like even Arkansas will probably have to utilize more mail-in votes and maybe absentee ballots. I don't know how they're going to handle it. But if people are not willing to get out and go to the polls in November. How are we going to do this? It's, a, it's a, something we need to really keep on our radar and keep an eye on. Um, I'm always watching your Facebook page. and Your listeners are really active this morning. Uh, the post that we talked about, uh, President, or, sorry, Dr. Pelosi talk, talking to Trump about his medical condition. Oh, yeah, about and, him being uh, fat. Clark, Clark Granderson says Pelosi is morbidly stupid. <laughs> she says Trump is morbidly obese. <laughs> yeah, I will. Yeah, between her ears, I won't uh, argue with that. <laughs> I really will. I won't argue with that. Made me giggle. Did you see uh, the uh, Morrison, the lady that ran for president on the Democrat uh, thing, and she was like the the new the new age girl. Remember her? Are you talking about Marianne Williamson? Williamson, that's who it is, not Morrison. Yeah. Williamson. Did you see she's supporting 
uh, the person who's running against Pelosi in the primary in San Francisco? Oh, well, that's interesting to know about. That is Did interesting. Did she consult the stars and ask them about that first? I don't know. Probably you know, called she's dead, kind of, maybe she called was the dead people. Candidate, you know? she, yeah, she's she called, was the woo-woo candidate. She called uh, Mayor Daly from uh, Mr. <laughs> you know, the boss. He called and said, uh, what do you think? And now That's an know, endorsement, isn't it? <laughs> but Now, listen, Hillary channeled uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Why can't uh, this other woman channel, uh, you know, the boss? I'm just asking, Man, just... all right? You're, you're ignoring me now. All right, I'm just asking. Yeah. You go down so many rabbit holes, Mr. Ellswick. So let's fin- <laughs> let me finish this here. House Democrats told the Supreme Court Monday they need access to secret grand jury materials because they are still investigating President Donald Trump in connection with Russia collusion and may want to impeach him again. That's to the Supreme Court yesterday. Yesterday, 24 hours ago. Incredible. In a legal filing. Yeah. Yeah. In a legal filing, uh, they said they need the grand jury materials because the House Judiciary Committee's impeachment inquiry into Trump's alleged obstruction of justice in the Russia investigation is ongoing. Ongoing about what? Nobody knows anything. All those all those uh, interviews that you guys said on the shift set on. Said that we don't, we know nothing. They went the, Char, the, the, the Sergeant Schultz route from uh, Hogan's Hero. I see nothing. I hear nothing. I know nothing. They also, they also justify, and I saw the pleading. I don't remember the exact wording, but it, 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 they actually justify what they're doing by saying, and if we don't get this material now, we can't do the impeachment before November, yeah, before we change the Congress. Well, who cares? We're yeah. not out there to make your life easy. I, I was just beyond uh, it's hard for me to read this and believe that it's truly real you know well, there's uh, those parody websites out there that call you know the onion the babylon b whatever yeah. i keep thinking i'm reading something from those websites well it's yeah an, an, an alternative universe of some kind yeah yeah anyway the house democrats told the supreme court yesterday they need access to secret grand jury materials because they are still investigating president donald trump in connection with Russia collusion, and may want to impeach him again in 2021. Now, wait a second. Is this the Democrats saying, we know Biden can't win? <laughs> that may be part of that, huh? That Ooh, could that be. That way. It could that be. All right. That way. Anyway. They're also, I mean, admitting, they're also admitting, you know, basically right there in the pleading, by doing this, we know the whole thing before was not factual on any level. So they're basically admitting that they're going to proceed on a non-factual basis. In other words, we can lie to you. We all know it. You know it. We know it. We know that you know that we know it. And we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, what it's a slap. Crazy. What a slap to the voters. I, yeah, mean, I don't gonna, understand why people gonna, aren't rioting in the streets. Gonna come, gonna kinda, uh, they're going to waste 20, another $25 uh, you know, million or billion dollars. I have no idea exactly how 30, much they wasted 30. in the first. So just know they're going to they're gonna waste that money again. All right, we've got uh, nine minutes until nine. We've got to take a break, uh, Elizabeth. Hold, hold your thought, and we'll come back, and we'll pick it up with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Traffic and Weather. Let's get to it on 101.1 FM, The Answer. All right, final segment 
It's uh, eight minutes till nine o'clock. Elizabeth Otolaro is here with me on the Dave Ellswick Show and has been during the, the whole show except for the seven o'clock hour when the Bible guys were here. Had an interesting discussion with, uh, with them. Senator Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, asked the Trump administration to declassify the entire email that President Obama's former national security, uh, Susan Rice, sent herself just before her boss was about to leave office. Politico reported Monday that it viewed Johnson's letter, which requested that Rice's entire email that touched on the January 5th, and that's an important meeting. That's the one where the president, Biden, CIA director, NSL, uh, NSA director, uh, Comey of the FBI and others were all in attendance uh, doing their thing. Uh, so the email summarizes the meeting where Obama and his top officials discussed the Michael Flynn case. Flynn was President Trump's first national security advisor. Earlier this month, the AG William Barr, uh, his Justice Department, dismissed the case against Flynn, who was seen as the key uh, prosecution witness from Robert Mueller's investigation into the Trump campaign. Trump has been trying to go on the offensive after a sitting uh, or a string, pardon me, of developments, he says, bolstered his claim that the Russian collusion investigation conducted was nothing more than a political witch hunt. And if you've read those letters uh, from the uh, interviews that the FBI did with all of the bigwigs in the Trump administration, they all, to a letter, they all said they had no solid information that the president was guilty with collusion. They said, you know, we thought, we felt, you know, it was all based on feelings. And But when it came to what can you prove, it was we can't prove nothing. Zip. That's it. Despite, despite Schiff and others coming out every single day, again, now that we know the truth, it is just more than maddening. Because we had the Republicans coming out of these committees and saying, you're not being told everything. Of course, they were not going to give away classified information. And then we have the Democrats. Schiff was the ringleader by far. We have absolute proof. We have the proof. We have the proof. Why can't they be prosecuted for that? Why can't something happen to these people? It is unbelievable. If we lied to Congress the way they lied to us, they would bury us under the jail. And remember that Biden was recently asked about the meeting after the Trump administration released the Obama-era officials behind the Flynn's unmasking. And Biden told ABC News' George Stephanopoulos that he was aware that there was, you know, they were looking into... Uh, things with Trump after they'd ask for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. Uh, you go back yeah. and you look at this okay. meeting uh, that was uh, taking uh, place on January 5th, and uh, here's who was there. It was the president, the vice president, the, uh, you know, uh, Rice, the security uh, person. Susan Rice. The uh, FBI Director James Comey, Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates, then CIA Director John Brennan, and then Director of National Intelligence 
James Clapper, and they talked about the Flynn investigation. And not more than a few days right after this, we had all these unmasking attempts by these people. Now, Biden said he didn't know what crap was going on, and he was out unmasking Flynn like the rest of them. Biden's well, been caught in Biden. a lie. Yeah, he asked for Flynn, and he said he didn't know anything about it. That in and of itself, if it had been a Republican, he'd be out of the race. The media would have drummed him out by now. And yet Joe Biden just keeps rocking along, keeps rocking along. Again, this whole thing in the beginning was based on nothing. And I guess that's why they're looking to still impeach him, because they have convinced themselves that this is going to happen. Because that's yep. the world they live in. You know, I get up every morning and I decide, you know, what color, and well, I won't go there. Anyway, we make up our Yeah, what color underwear am I going to wear? Yeah, my truth, yeah. as you like to talk about, and then I guess their truth these days is that he's an impeachable president. And they're just going to keep hammering on it. I hope the voters smoke them in November. I hope they, yep. I hope it's not a 50-49 kind of thing. I want to see a 70-30 or an 80-20. I want them to get the message. Yeah, well, they'll never get the message. They get te- no. They get tedious. All right. So anyway, the significance us, of that the meeting. Take care of it. Yeah, the significance of that meeting is becoming increasingly apparent as more and more yeah. information is declassified. For these reasons, it's essential that Congress and the American people understand what occurred during the January 5th meeting and how it was later characterized by administration officials. The declassification of Ambassador Rice's email in whole will assist these efforts, uh, Johnson wrote, according to the political report. So. Keep your eyes open. Be listening to the show. If anything happens with that, I'll definitely be jumping all over it. Elizabeth, thanks for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show today. You're always a valuable addition. People don't realize how much you add on a day-to-day basis here to the Dave Ellswick Show. She listens every morning. She's always sending me stories. She's always saying, Dave, you hit all these questions, but what about this one? And uh, and it's good stuff that she offers. So she's a valuable part of the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, I really, really appreciate her assistance. So, Elizabeth, with that in mind, I'll talk to you again uh, probably later on today, okay? Yes, sir. My pleasure. Enjoy the morning. All right. Talk to you later. I got to get out of here. I got to go back to the uh, hyperbaric chamber today. I got two more sessions, one today, one tomorrow, and then I'm done with that. I'm just about got my my foot all healed up. Should get the uh, 100% thumbs up on that come next Tuesday. With that said, I'll take a break. Be listening today for what's coming up on the next show.